right, I want to welcome everybody to Metro Praise and IDMR discussion on who is God. My name is Joe Irostic. You have come to our Bible class tonight. I want to welcome all of our IDMR friends. So can we just give a hand clap to each other for coming tonight? Welcoming everybody here. Good to have you here. Tonight's format is just going to go as follows. It's going to be a 20-minute introduction on both sides. IDMR, our guests, will be going first. Then Metro Praise will come with a 20-minute presentation on who is God. Then 10-minute rebuttals. IDMR going for 10 minutes. Then for Metro Praise. And then we will allow you to interact with 50 minutes of Q&A. And so whenever you direct a question towards one group, they'll have two to four minutes to answer. And then the other group will have one to two minutes to respond. And that will go on for 50 minutes to the end of the official debate. And then we'll just have five minutes of closing statements, IDMR going first, and then Metro Praise going last. So if you have any questions about the format, ask your neighbor. Other than that, we just ask that you would respect the format, not really disturbing the speakers. We all know that each side firmly believes what they believe. So we don't need to shout down the other person. Let's respectfully listen to each other. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. And so without uh, further ado, I'm going to invite our speaker from IDMR, Najee. Would you welcome him as he comes, please? Good evening. And I want to thank everybody for having us out. Um, I'm Dr. Najee Williams, and uh, we're from the Institute of Divine Metaphysical Research, Northside Chicago branch. Um, and like I said, I want to thank everyone for their attendance here and coming out and thank, thank our host, Joe and Sam. We've met with a few times, and, you know, they've been really good to us. So with that, let me get into who God is, or should I say what God is. Now, my understanding is that... Um, the Metro Praise believes in the Trinity. Would that be a correct statement? Okay, now, we at IDMR and the Holy Scriptures refute that. We say that Yahweh, your God, whose name is Yahweh, is a unity. Now, I'm going to get a couple of scriptures to support that. And everything that we do, we support I'm going to tell you a little bit about the organization first. This organization was founded by one Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. He had a divine vision and revelation that he said he got straight from Yahweh or straight from God. And he said when he first had the vision, he didn't understand it. Then he got the revelation the same day on what he actually saw. Now, there's been some confusion on the Internet about what he actually saw. He didn't see anything other than what Moses and John saw. So he said Yahweh sent him to confirm what Moses and John saw. He saw the exact same thing that they saw when John was on the Isle of Patmos and when Moses was in the mountain. That's Exodus, the uh, 25th chapter. And it dealt with this tabernacle pattern. Now, this tabernacle that you have in your scriptures is a definition of who your creator is. It tells you what he is. He gave it to Moses. Let me have Exodus 25, 8, 9. Read. Now, when Moses, after the children of Israel come up through the divided waters of the Red Sea, they get around this mountain, he calls Moses atop Mount Sinai, and he shows them this tabernacle pattern in a vision. 
And this is what she's reading about. Read. Now, after the pattern of the tabernacle. Read. And the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Now, this is a better depiction here. This is what we call the um, pattern, the, the tabernacle chart. And it shows what's in that tabernacle that uh, Moses was describing there. Read. Mm-hmm. Drop down to the 40th verse. Somebody get somebody get Hebrews 8 and 5. Somebody get 1 Chronicles 28 19. Read. Mm-hmm. Now, before this chapter is over, he's letting Moses know, you make sure you make everything according to this pattern that I showed you up here. This up here was intangible. This, he is the pattern. We at IDMR are a school. and we, Every school has a course. We teach Elohim the archetype original pattern of the universe, meaning he saw Elohim create everything by that tabernacle pattern. Read. Get it. First Chronicles twenty eight nineteen. Read. This is David. Even all the works of this pattern when they were going to build Solomon's temple, which everything was made by that pattern. Hebrews eight and five. This is going from the law to the prophets and to the the, uh, the fulfillment. Now this pattern here, this tabernacle that he gave them shows an example of heavenly things. Read. Mm-hmm. Why? Why make all things according to this pattern? Because this is the explanation of him. Now, we say a unity. You have in this tabernacle, God only told man to make three things. Noah's Ark, the tabernacle, and the temple. All three were threefold. Noah's Ark, lower story, middle story, upper story, one ark. The tabernacle, most holy place, holy place, court around about. One tabernacle. The temple, oracle, sanctuary, porch. Threefold, one temple. To show Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One embodiment. Three manifestations. One spirit. Ephesians 4 and 4. And I think it's important to put it out here like this, and hopefully some things will be said that people will go back and research. When he made, we know that man is made in the image and the likeness of God. Is that correct? Nobody, nobody, we ain't got to write nobody a letter. That's in the scriptures. If man is made, matter of fact, get that. Genesis 127. Read that. There's one body. One spirit, not three. One. Read. One hope. One. Can continue to read. One Yahweh. One Lord. 
One faith, one baptism. Matter of fact, go over, get uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Read it. Yahweh our Elohim is Yahweh a unity or is one? Okay. Let me have Zechariah 14 and 9. Read. Mm-hmm. One Elohim. One, one name, one Elohim, one Savior, not three. Get First John 5 and 7. Read. Now there are three that bear record in heaven. Read. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are three. One. One Spirit. Three manifestations. Yahweh, pure Spirit, is the Father. He's inscrutable and comprehensible. You can know nothing about him. No man has seen the Father in this state at any time. Acts seventeen twenty four. No man has seen the Father in his pure spirit state at any time. So because he desired to have a relationship with you, he took on shape and form of a ghost-like figure of a man. This is who you call the Word. This is the Word of Yahweh. The Bible is not the Word of Yahweh. That's the Scriptures. This is the Word of Yahweh. And all through the prophets, the Word of Yahweh came to me saying, that book didn't appear to no man. The word of Yahweh came to them and told them to write the book. This is the true book of life. Okay? Read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Read. Neither is worship with being hand. Now that's in everybody's Bible. This is the Apostle Paul. Read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Read. Mm-hmm. Of one blood. One. Notice how it's still, it's one. A unity. It keeps flowing like that. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And they are what? Now, you have the three that bear record in the earth to testify to the three that bear record in heaven. What? Spirit, water, and these what? They agree in one. Why? Because the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one. You are a testament to your creator. You can't deny you. Man is made body, soul, spirit. One man. The problem with the Trinity concept, give me Genesis 1.26. Read. Wait a minute. Let us make man, one man, not men, man. In our image, after our likeness. Read. Plural. Then he talks singular. Read. He created 
man in his own in his own image. Now it's talking singular. Read. He, him, not them. The problem with the Trinity concept is this. If you're saying there are three uh, personalities operating on one accord, that's polytheism. That's not monotheism. We're saying one spirit, one body. This, this him manifesting the flesh is Joshua the Messiah, who you guys call Jesus Christ. Go over and give me Timothy. That's right. I want that too. Read that. First Thessalonians while he's getting to me. Read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask I'm gonna pose a question to you guys. Do you have a body? Everybody in here has a body, correct? Do you have a spirit in that body? You have, you you have a soul too, correct? You're one person, right? You're not three different people. Right? That's right. Because you're a testament to him. You are made in his image and likeness. We just read that. Get that, Timothy. Wait, hold on. Once Yahweh, pure spirit, go to Acts 17 and 20. Once Yahweh, pure spirit, takes on shape and form, this is who you call the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. He manifested in a physical body and died the death of an outcast dog, walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. One, two, three, a unity. Just different forms. Same spirit. Get it? That one first Timothy. And without controversy, without any debates, quarrels, or anything, without controversy, read. Great is the mystery of right. This is a mystery. 120, Colossians 1.26. This is a mystery. The righteousness is a mystery. Iniquity is a mystery. Great is the mystery of righteousness. Read. He was, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Look, what he just got through saying, this was God manifested in the flesh. This is not his little boy. Israel is his wife. One God. One faith, one baptism. Get um, Acts 17 where he said, Paul says, uh, for in him we live, move, and have our being. Read. Mm-hmm. Now this is Yahweh that created everything. This is him in pure spirit. Now you want to ask, say, well, what is God? This is the time. Who is God? What is God? John 4.24. In him we live, move, have our... For you to see him in this state is an absolute impossibility. Because you are in him. You can't get outside of him to see how he looks. So he took on shape and form that can be seen in visions and revelations. This is what Moses saw. Everybody know who Moses is. This is what John saw. This is the son. And the son was manifested in the flesh. 
Get Yahweh what? He is spirit, not a spirit. One spirit. Ephesians 4 and 4. He is spirit. Read. That's why this pattern is so important. You have abstract, intermediate, concrete. Body, soul, spirit. One body. The creation. Spirit has different manifestations. Abstract, intermediate, concrete. But Yahweh is spirit. Read. And they that worship him. So you and we read Paul said you can't worship him with your hands. I didn't IDMR didn't write the Bible. Nor did Ignatius or Athenaeus or Eusebius or any of them. They didn't write it. They're only giving you their account on what it means to them. But we read, Great is the mystery. One twenty six, Colossians. Read. Even the mystery. Now here Paul goes again talking about this mystery. Read. Which had been hidden from ages into. We know how to dispensations. <laughs> All right. We can't bring everything. It had been hidden from Abraham. It had been hidden from Isaac. It had been hidden from Jacob. Even the mystery. Read. But it's made manifest to his son. It's real simple. One, two, three is one. These three are one. Read. Now he's going to make known what the riches of his glory is and this mystery to his sons. Everybody's not going to see it. Matter of fact, get 2 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter, 3rd verse. 2 Peter 1.19. I'm giving a lot of scriptures so that you guys can see it's throughout the scriptures. Everybody's saying the same thing. Dr. Kinley, when he came, he said, I didn't come to disagree with Moses or disagree with John. I came to prove what they said was true. Read. Read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. The word private, I, you got some, we got some Bible students here. The word private is idios in Greek. That's where we get the word idiot from. No scripture is of any idiot's private interpretation. I'm not making that up. Sam speaks Greek. Is that what it means? Okay. Well, look it up. Read. But it didn't come in the old time by the will of man. Read. What you have to understand, Yahweh has a purpose. God has a purpose. It's a purpose for you to be here. You're made in his image and likeness. Your purpose is to glorify him in spirit and in truth. Not this truth that we have, the faith that we have, 
let me digress for a moment. Okay. The faith that we have is based upon the knowledge of the truth, not based on lies. And Christ said, if you build your house on sand, tribulation and everything will come and blow it over. But if it's built on a rock, all of the witnesses that I just gave you are not of myself. This is coming straight from the Creator. And it can be verified by your physical body. It can be verified by Scripture. It can be verified by this creation. Everything is threefold pointing to him. And when you get people that, because this is, this right here is a mystery. Everybody don't understand this. Some people don't even understand what his mission was, but that, that's not the topic. This was God manifested in him. This was the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit all in one. He even said, me and my Father, I want a unity. And that's the statement that we all hope to make one day. And with that, um, we'll relinquish it to Metrophrase. Wonderful. Thank you. Chris, would you get the light for me, please? Wonderful. I'm going to do my best not to rebut his first statement and give my presentation and give the rebuttal at the end. Let's make sure this is on. Yes, sir. I just want to thank you guys for coming once again. Uh, our objective in being here is to teach you about the one true God that you may have eternal life. It's not our heart to debate for the sake of wrangling over words to prove a point. We want you to know God. Just as much as you want us to know God, we want you to know God. I met my friend on the streets of Boricua Fest, Puerto Rican Festival, during the summer. We were preaching the gospel on the streets. So that shows our zeal for the Lord and we began to dialogue. He said there were things that would be better if Naji, the class president, uh, would take over. And then from there, uh, Sam and I began to discuss with Patrick and Naji. And so I want to welcome you guys here once again. And hopefully we can continue to do times like this. Our church has invited various different groups to come by. And many times they've rejected to come. We've asked Jehovah Witnesses to come, and they have not. I wrote a book on Islam. Uh, for the heart for the Muslims, and we have not been able to get a Muslim to come as of yet. But it's just a wonderful thing that you from IDMR have come representing what you believe the truth and from Dr. Kinley and these charts. So I just want to thank you again. And as I begin to share, I'm going to uh, give a whole lot of information in this little bit of time. I have the PowerPoint presentation, but everything is being recorded. You can go back to our website, listen to it again at metropraise.org, and you can always come by and visit us here and ask us questions at any time from any subject because that's what we're here to do. So the question posed before us today is, who is God? Well, if we're going to take the Bible literally, then we have to hear what the Bible says about who God is in the study of God. Now, we call that theology. Theo meaning Godology, the study of. So when we go to the study of God, we're going to the Bible. We're not going to the Quran. We're not arguing over the manuscripts today. We both believe the Bible. Both groups believe the Bible. So let's use that as our main source of information. Looking at Isaiah 40:25 says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. So the first thing we learn is that we cannot compare God to anyone. So I can't say God is like a man. 
And I'll respond to how God created man in His image. But man is not like God. We, we were created in the image, but we are just a, 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 a poor reflection of who He is. He created the universe. He holds all of the creation in His hands. Imagine the vast expanse of this God. Who can you even compare Him to? So when I talk today about the Trinity, I don't have to compare it to water being steam, vapor, and ice. I don't have to compare Him to a tree, an apple, or an egg, because the Bible doesn't give us permission to compare Him to anyone. So don't look today for me to give you comparisons. I'm going to give you the Scriptures on what they reveal God is. Psalms 89, 5-6 says, The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too, and the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? So we don't even have permission to compare God to a heavenly being. The Jehovah Witnesses want to say he's an angel, or Jesus is the archangel Gabriel. We don't, or Michael, we don't even have permission to compare any divine being to any other creature, even if they are in heaven, let alone on earth. So now let's look to what the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible teaches the Trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you three points. And what I want every student to do here is to see if they answer my three points with something that is better. Because what I'm presenting to you is what I believe is the best case for who God is. Yes, God is a mystery. Yes, God is incomparable and indescribable. But we have a word in the Bible from the law and the prophets and the gospels. So I want you to ask yourself, at the end of tonight's debate, not was Joe Hanselman a good speaker or IDMR, were they good looking with good breath? No, did they answer the questions that I posed from the scriptures and did I answer the questions they posed? So number one, my first point is going to be the Bible. Bible, plainly and simple, from Genesis to Revelation, teaches the Trinity. No tricks up my sleeve. It's just the Bible. Number two, the Bible rejects modalism. Now, I wanted you to understand, modalism teaches one God is one person who appears as the Father, who appears as the Son, and appears as the Holy Spirit. That is the best definition of IDMR's beliefs today, and I will disprove that from the Bible, plainly and simple. And number three, I'm going to show you that the early church fathers taught the Trinity, and they did it years before the Council of Nicaea, and years before the Catholic Church ever knew a Pope. And that is what happens in these organizations, that somebody comes along and tells people that the Trinity is a doctrine of the Catholics, it's a doctrine of of paganism, and this is a flat-out lie. Don't believe that. So let's go to these scriptures real quick. And as we do, this is what I'm going to prove to you. I want you to look at this. This is my definition. Now, don't get another definition. We believe within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal, co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We believe God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Ghost. We don't believe the Father is the Son, and we don't believe the Son is the Spirit, or the Spirit is the Father. So some people say, well, how did Jesus pray to Himself, or how did Jesus say the Father is greater than I, and they want to cause these confusions. We believe there's one God, but three separate persons. So we're not confusing the personhood of God. They are the one being of God. And who is that one being? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Do we see anything like that in Scripture? I believe we do. I'm going to give you three foundations of Scripture. Foundation one is the Bible teaches monotheism. There is only one God. No way around that. No Mormon can teach multiple gods. There's only one God. You're going to learn that today. Jehovah Witnesses, everybody who teaches another God is in error. There's only one God. Foundation two, there are 
are three divine persons who are God. And that is where we're going to spend a lot of our time with the IDMR today. But you have to understand there are three separate divine persons. And number three, foundation three, is that the persons are equal. They're equal. So we're not saying that they're separate. They are equal. Let's go to the foundation number one. Monotheism, there is only one God. The Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Can't get any more simpler than that. Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Can't be another God after the God of the Israelites. Next, uh, 45, 21 through 22. Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior, and there is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Monotheism. The Bible teaches mono, one theism, God. There's only one God. Foundation one has been established. Foundation two, there are three divine persons who take the title of God. Now we know with IDMR here, they love to use the Hebraic name from the Tetragrammaton known as Yahweh. Also can be translated Jehovah. And I still support the English translation of Lord. And you will see that there are three persons who claim that same title as Lord. And so that means there are three persons that as you read the Bible, that claim to be that one monotheistic God. If a dog claimed to be it, and Jesus said that was true, I would have to believe it. But we only see it. There's three who claim to be this Lord of the Israelites, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Look at Isaiah 63, 16. The Father is Lord. But you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. So the Father clearly takes the title of Lord. The Son is Lord, Philippians 2:11, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now we know that the New Testament was written in Greek, and so it has the word kurios for Lord. How do I know that that's the divine name Yahweh, Tetragrammaton there? Because this... This is coupled with giving praise and glory to their Savior. And the Bible says you can only give praise and glory to a Savior that is Yahweh. So even though the Greek didn't write the Hebraic Tetragrammaton, we know that Lord means the same Lord in the sense of the Old Testament. Then we know the Holy Spirit is Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now Yahweh, now the great God of the Israelites, is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So foundation two is very simple, that each one, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, claim to be Lord. Well, are there three Yahwehs? No. Are there three gods? No. There's only one God. We established that. So if three separate persons all claim to be God, we now know that there are three persons in the Godhead. Now, this is the part that we need to spend a little time on and understand, do they have different names? No, they go by one name. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18 through 19, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you would have asked an Israelite, who is God? They would say Yahweh. They would say Jehovah, Yehovah, the Tetragrammaton. Well, is that the name? Absolutely. Well, who is that name? Who is that name? What did Jesus say that name was? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They all take the name of God. 
Foundation one is there's only one God. Foundation two, there are three persons that claim that title as God. Now, foundations three is they're co-equal. That means they work together as one. They're not separate in their substance or being. They're separate only in their personhood. Look at them working together. First Peter 1, 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Now, are these all one person? It can't be one person. These texts would make no sense. If the Father was really the Spirit and the Spirit was really the Son, as modalism teaches, these sentences would make no sense. These are persons. The Father is a person. The Spirit is a person. And Jesus is a person. That's the only way you can read it, Hebrews 9.14. And how much more then will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Once again, it wasn't the Father offering Himself. It wasn't the Spirit offering Himself. It was Jesus offering Himself. Do you see? They're separate persons. Each one has a function in the Godhead. They each have a role that they play. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. The Father brings creation into order. Son comes to redeem creation. Through His death, burial, and resurrection, the Spirit applies it to a believer's life. Here you see three separate persons. Second Corinthians 3.14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. They want to teach you that the Holy Spirit is Yahshua. Well, that couldn't be more opposite of what it's teaching right here. The Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, Jesus Christ, and the Father, known as God here, are two separate persons, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are two separate persons, making the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This would be like me saying, may the grace of Job be with you, and may the love of Job be with you, and may the fellowship of Job be with you. That makes no sense. It's three persons, my friends. Never forget that. And enjoy the Godhead. Enjoy the personhood of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So who is God? He's the Father. He's the Son. And He's the Holy Ghost. That is the biblical definition. We'll talk about the word Trinity and when it came about and how Christians use that to communicate it with others. But you notice I didn't have to say Trinity in any of those scriptures because all I've taught you is the three foundation. God is one. There are three persons who claim that title of God. And lastly, those three persons are all equal. If I had a church, I would say amen. Now, that's my first point. I'm going to give you two more points. The second point is that was all under the Bible teaches the Trinity. That's all under the Bible teaches the Trinity, those three foundations. Now I'm going to give you the second point today. The second point here is that the Bible rejects modalism. That's what they're teaching you tonight. What is modalism? It's the non-Trinitarian belief that the Heavenly Father, Resurrected Son, and the Holy Spirit are all different modes or aspects of one God. That comes from the encyclopedia. That's what they're teaching you in one form or another, and that is absolutely incorrect. I don't have time to walk you through the Scripture, but I'm going to give you one passage in John that nails the head on the coffin of modalism. John 1.1 and John 1.18. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember that. I'm going to get to it. Then John 1.18, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made Him known. Now, let me give you a little insight here to the Greek language. You asked my friend about Greek. We don't like getting questions on the fly. We want to study that out. So if you want to ask that as a question, you can. But this is what we have studied. We see here in the Greek, 
In Archaean Logos Kai Logos in Pros Theon Kai Logos in Theos. What we see right here is in the Greek language when the word pros is used. In the beginning was the word and the word was with. With God. That word with, pros, means face to face. As in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we shall see him face to face. Prosopon, pros, prosopon. It means two objects facing each other. So how can right here the word be God in the same person of the Father and yet face himself? That makes no sense. There has to be two separate objects. And that is what John is teaching here. That God is here, as you're going to learn in 118, is the Father. And He is an object, a person. And then you have the Word. He is a person. And they are face to face. They are pros with each other. It would make no other sense to say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was was God, and God is the Word in person. Because God, what He is, and what the Word is, are inseparable persons. That would make no sense. Because how could I be with myself and be looking and facing myself? They have to be talking about two separate persons. And what we see in the Greek is that if you don't have the word pros there, that it could prove what they're saying. It could mean that God and this person known as the word are the same person. But because pros is put there, it has to be two separate persons facing each other. But then you say, well, what about at the end where it says, and the word was God? Well, you see, this is where Jehovah Witnesses get a little carried away because they recognize that there is not an article before Theos, but there's an article before Logos. And this may get a little complicated. Listen to the tape a couple times. But when there are two nouns in the Greek language that both take the O-S ending, that means they are the subject of the sentence. They are then complementary to each other as the predicate nominative. And the one that has the article becomes the subject and the other noun becomes the description. So what this is saying was in the beginning was the word, the word was facing God and God is the nature of the word. He's not the same person as the word. The logos, the word is of the nature of God. You might say, pastor, I don't know if I understand. Well, go over here to John 1.18 where it clarifies it. Uados, uazos, huora, theos, popete, popete, monogenes, theos, How do you know what this says? There it is. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is at the bosom of the Father has explained Him. Now, excuse me, those of you who have King James Bibles may not see this because you have... Monogenes Huio, which is the only begotten son. That is because you have a manuscript error in the King James that only was developed, the King James translation from six Greek manuscripts that only went back about four or five hundred years from their time of writing it. The NIV had over 500 Greek manuscripts, more in number and more closer to the time of the apostles, and the great majority of them, and the oldest ones say, Monogenes Theo, only begotten God. Well, who is that only begotten God? He is the Word we just learned about in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, He was with God, and the Word was God. Was He the Father? No, He wasn't the Father. He is the only begotten God, the Son. Begotten, not meaning born of a human flesh, but begotten, being sent from the Father. That's what that means. And this would make no sense if we say that they are not separate persons. They have to be separate persons for it to say no one has ever seen God. Well, who did Abraham see on the plains of Mamre? 
memory. The Bible says three visitors visit him. One he sees has feet. He feeds him. The two leave, we know in the next chapter 19, are angels and go down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he talks to them face to face. You see, if for that to be true, it has to go back to John 1.18. No one has seen God. Well, who is that God? The one that's known as the Father. No one has seen the Father. But who have we seen? The only begotten God. Who is that? That's the Word. A separate person from the Father. So how else could Abraham say, I saw the Lord, I saw God, but I didn't see the Father, because otherwise I would have been breaking Scripture or lying. Are you all with me? See, the simplest way to look at the Bible is to say that the Father, Son, and the Word are separate persons. Now, in closing, I want you to look at this very simply. Here's the Greek, and you don't have to understand Greek. Just read it, and you'll see they cannot be the same person. God has to be separate persons for it to say these things in the Greek. Therefore, since John 1, 1 and one eighteen teach that the Father and Word, or God the Son, are with each other and separate, modalism is an erroneous teaching to say that God is only one person and sometimes he comes down as the father sometimes he comes down as the son sometimes he comes as the spirit and whatever way you see him that's always one person they couldn't be with each other and they couldn't say we've seen uh, men could not see I've seen you and then at the same time say the Bible says no one has seen him so I can say uh, as the New Testament oh I've seen Jesus that means I've seen God the son but still nobody's seen God the father why because they're separate persons Now, in closing, we know now, number three, that the early church fathers took up the Trinity. The Trinity was uh, a word that came around Tertullian, a Latin father in the 200s. The Council of Nicaea wasn't to 325, so that's a lie. Here's uh, seven church fathers that taught the Trinity as we believe it today that all came before the Council of Nicaea. So that is a lie that if anybody tells you the Council of Nicaea is Catholic and comes from uh, the Catholic Church, that is a lie, or the Council of Nicaea, and I have here the church. Father's words in writings, the things that they said to prove this. So, is the Trinity a made-up doctrine? No. It's what we've always taught. And so God is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we showed it from the Bible. We've rejected modalism and the church fathers, and we're going to see what they have to say now. Let's give it up. Thank you. fastest rendition of stuff I've heard in a long time. But my name is Patrick Latortu, and um, I'm also part of this class, and can I have John the third chapter, please? And I also want Romans 1, 19 and 20. Now, through that entire speech, yeah, if I can have some light, if you don't mind, through that entire um, introduction, I've yet to see the word person in all of that. Through all that we went through, there is nowhere in the scriptures where it says that God is three persons. Yet. But let's get simple. Give me Romans 1, 19 and 20, because there's one thing that just rang in my head about we do not have permission. Romans 1, 19 and 20. Wait a minute, because that which may be known of who? Or God. Read it out of the King James Version. Wait a minute, because that which may be known of God. It's 
manifested in them. Read. Wait a minute. God showed somebody something. Read. Now wait a minute. He's invisible. You've already been you've already been explained that he's spirit. You can't see him, taste him, touch him, hear him from a physical standpoint. You understand? He's spirit. Now, read. Now wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. From the creation of the world. Now, people, we are in a creation. We didn't make it. The creator did. So to say that we don't have permission to compare, well, we have a creation that he has given. How is he going to show his creatures that he is who he is? This is why we emphasize this tabernacle pattern, because not that we emphasize it, he did. I didn't emphasize nothing. It's just in the book. You understand? Keep reading. Now, wait a minute. The invisible things of God are clearly seen. Wait a minute. You said they're clearly seen. Hmm. Can I use you as an example? Now, he said God is three persons. Come here. Now, you made in the image and likeness. Let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? I might even ask you a question. Are you a father? Are you a son? Wait a minute. Now, that's true. Now. Do you have brothers and sisters? So you're a brother, you're a father, and you're a son. What's your name? And you're one person. All right, thank you. Now, I want you to get to the point where the Messiah said, and this is what the Messiah said. I ain't saying anything. I said Jesus said in the third chapter of John where he said, Now, if I told you earthly things and you believe not, Listen again. Get that scripture. I want it read because I don't want to be the one saying it. Do you have it? Because I can quote it. Go ahead. How much time do I have? Because I got to do this quick. Six minutes. Go ahead. Now, now read, read, read where that scripture is. One more time. This is John 3 and 3. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, this is your teacher talking. No, I ain't Jesus. Now, no, get that straight. I'm talking about Jesus in the book. Read. 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 Go ahead. Read. Now, remember, the previous speaker did say we're talking about eternal life because in John 17 and 3, eternal life is to know. Now, there are certain things you can know about God. Read on. Where's that point where he says, if I told you earthly things? 12 verse, please read that. Now, this is, now listen, we're saying that his name is Yahshua, but I'm, I'm going to use Jesus for the sake of emphasis because of one thing. This is, quote, unquote, the Savior talking. That means I'm not making an opinion of it. That means he's not. That means I ain't going to make an opinion of it. I want what the teacher said. 
And he's talking to a Pharisee who happens to be a master of Israel. Read. Now listen. If I told you earthly things. Now this is Jesus talking. If I told you earthly things. And you don't believe those earthly things. Now, what we're trying to say to sum up, finish Romans 119 and 20, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for he has shown it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Let me ask you a question. Who made your physical body? Who made your physical body? No, 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 no. I don't want you to answer. When your father and mother came together, they didn't go in the womb and say, let's make a physical body. It happened all by itself. If you didn't make your physical body and you didn't make your soul, what makes you think that you can give an opinion about who he is and how he operates? Now, you got to take the natural to understand the spirit because you can't see it. Now, through that entire situation i have yet to see persons in the law and the prophet can i get that for a moment please uh isaiah 8 and 20 and i want uh luke 24 20 uh luke 24 44 now people it's very simple that's why we have this tabernacle pattern man is made up body soul spirit his physical body is made up head cavity chest cavity abdominal cavity if i call your name Your entire body gets up. Does your head go one way and your stomach goes the other way and your chest flies out the door? No. You understand? Now, get me that in Isaiah 8 and 20. Read. Now, listen to the law and to the testimony. Read. Yes. So... Until they're able to go through the law and the testimony to prove to me that God is three persons. And I mean, first five books of Moses, next 34 books of the prophecy. If you're not able to say that God is three persons, I don't have to believe it. And this is the one thing in our school we express. We don't want you to believe it. We want you to go prove it for yourself. And that is very important. Because anybody can say anything up here. I could be lying to you right now. Until you check it out, you don't know. You understand? Okay. Did you finish that? Give me that. You finish all that? Okay. Now, it's very simple, people. You have this tabernacle pattern that was given back under the law for a specific reason. This is how the gospel is manifested through this tabernacle pattern. There's a reason why there's an altar of ins- there's an altar of sin sacrifice. Why? That is the principle of death. There's a reason why there's a brazen labor here because there's a principle of water. There's a reason why there's a holy cup of anointing. It typifies spirit, blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection. Okay. Now, <coughs> let me go through this pattern. How many minutes do I have? Count. Fifty seconds. Well, I'm going to have to do this real quick. You have an entire tabernacle, which is one tabernacle, three compartments, nine vessels, and seven steps. 
okay? Now, when you guys are going to have to ask these questions when we get a chance, because I only got like 45 seconds or 30 seconds. But here's my point. 10 seconds? 30. Good. But here's my point, ladies and gentlemen. You can take something in the creation to understand who your creator is because that's what Romans 119 said. And once again, your creator said or your savior said, if I told you earthly things and you can't believe it, how in the world are you going to believe heavenly things? So who are you going to believe, your church fathers or your Messiah? And with these few words, I say hallelujah. All right. As you can see, he did not answer any of the three points. The foundation of the word of God still remains. He has not answered any of those. Number two, he has not gone to the Greek at all in John chapter 1, verse 18, and that was his rebuttal. That was his time to explain to us how pros could mean with, and yet they're the same person. That was his time to tell you what John 1, 18 means when no one's seen God, yet God the one and only. He has made him known. He didn't explain that. So he's failed on the first point, and now on the second, and then at the end, he wants to say you can believe the church fathers. Well, let's uh, look at some of the scriptures that he said, and let's see what the word says. Jeremiah 23 says, Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Therefore, declares the Lord, I'm against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. That's what this is. This is a false vision with a false word. No offense, but that is what it is. Galatians 1 says, But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, anathemized in the Greek. As we have said, so I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what we have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. If you asked IDMR, where were these church uh, charts in the first century? Christianity didn't show up on the scene in the 1940s with Dr. Kenley, their prophet. Christianity's been here for almost 2,000 years, my friends, and this is the dictionary of their beliefs. They always didn't agree. I'll give them that. But where's their beliefs here? Where are these charts found there? You won't even find any of what they've spoke about there. So they haven't answered any of the objections I brought up. And what he did bring up was, where's the word persons found in the Bible? Well, where's the word manifestation found in the Bible? Where's the word class found in the Bible? Where is the word uh, chart found in the Bible? Where is your name found in the Bible? And should you even be speaking if it's not found in the Bible? We're looking at the Bible and letting it speak to us. When we look at it, let it speak its own language. Let it tell us the truth. And if you see that the Father can talk and has a personality, what do we call that in our language? A person. If we see that the Son can talk and think and have a personality, what do we call that? We call that a person. What do we uh, look at the Holy Spirit? It talks and has a personality. It's a person. We're just using words to describe what the Bible says. But it's obvious that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all talk and think and act, and yet they are all one God. So they have the attributes of a person. Now, what they said was, we're not going to listen to Psalms and Isaiah. We're going to make comparisons all day long because the book of Romans tells us that we can see God in nature. That's not what it says. It doesn't say you see God in nature. 
It says you can see the evidence of God in nature. When I look at a tree, I'm not looking at God. Maybe they want to become Hindus, because that's what Hindus do. They look at monkeys and they see God. They look at rocks and see God. And they worship rats and all of those things. If those are God to you, I am sorry, but my God is a spirit. And only by his physical creation do I know that this world didn't come from physical means. If a physical world is here and we can't explain it physically, then it had to come here spiritually. That is simply cause, cosmetology. It's the, it's the argument of cause. What was the first cause of a physical world? A spiritual being. That's all Romans 1 is saying. It's not saying, now look at a tree and there's your God. That's exactly the opposite of what it's saying. And, Genesis, uh, and, and Isaiah and Psalms makes it clear not to make comparisons. Now let's take their example of the person. They said, Najee, stand up. Are you a father? Yes. Are you a son? Yes. Are you also uh, another thing? Yes. But are you one person? Well, let's look at this chapter, that there, uh, this passage in Genesis. Let's go to that. Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, so we have the us there. We have the plural form of God. We understand that. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle of all the earth, over everything that creepeth upon the earth. Now look at verse 27. They didn't read it to you. Look at verse 27. So God created man, Adam in the Hebrew, Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, Adam. Male and female, he created them. That passage disproves him. The one mankind, Adam, has two persons. More than one person. And if you don't believe that, just continue to read. In Genesis 2.24, he says, For this reason a man, which is a separate person, will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And that is the Hebrew word, ehad. So you simply see that two become one. So now I want to ask Naji, are you God? Can you join to another person and make yourself one with them as God did? No, you can't. But the Bible says you can reflect his image that is more than one when you get married. And you too, man and wife, reflect a personhood that is more than one. That is so simple. Now you say, where else is that word ahad found? That two shall become ahad. One, that is found in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Ahad. The same sense. The Lord our God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they are one. Just like my wife and I become one in the reflection of a God that is three persons in one. You say, oh, well, I don't know if I believe that yet. Well, let's go back to, to John. Look at what John says. John 17, verse 11. I will remain. John 17, verse 11 says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. How many disciples were there, my friends? Was there just one disciple? There was hundreds of disciples, 12 to be specific, but we know by the time of Pentecost, there was 120, then 3,000. So he's saying, I want all of them to be one. Well, can more than one person be one like God? Well, in that example, it's an image. Yes, they can. But God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's one. And so they want to look at these examples, and these very examples disprove their points. 
And then the bottom line is, is man, God. No. So man cannot be one in nature with another man that same way. But God gives us examples of multi-persons being one. Husband and wife being two persons, becoming one flesh. Adam and Eve being created as one man, Adam. And in John 17, all disciples becoming one as God is one. This is not contradictory. This is what the Bible says. Jesus reiterates this. In the beginning, God made them male and female, 19, 4 in Matthew. For this reason, a man will leave his father and the two will be united and they will become one. So please, Najee, if you're going to use people and persons as your example, look to those passages because they certainly disprove the example you're making. Now, when you go back to this vision that says, well, can one go this way and one go that way because there's one tabernacle, we have said to you and maintained from the very beginning, there is only one God. They have to explain to you how the Father sends the Son and the Son has, been, has sent the Holy Spirit. Just, this is just a passage where it would make no sense unless they were separate persons. Look at John 21. Again, Jesus, who supposedly to the chart is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who's supposed to be the Holy Spirit, says, Peace be upon you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So here is Jesus standing in front of them, and he breathes himself into them. This doesn't even make sense. Why didn't he just say, I'm breathing myself into you? He says, I'm breathing the Holy Spirit into you. In another place, if he says, if I don't leave in John, the helper, the counselor cannot come. But if I go away, I will send another. That Greek word another is elion. And it means another of the same kind. Jesus himself said, it's good I go away so that I can send another. There has to be more than one person. You see this at the baptism of Jesus. The Father is speaking. Jesus is in the water. The voice from heaven is speaking. And then the dove comes down. Father in heaven, Jesus in the water, dove coming down. You see this all throughout the Scriptures. Daniel chapter 7. He sees the Father on a throne. And he sees the Son of Man coming to the throne receiving worship. How many more places do you need to see it? Genesis chapter 18 with the plains of Mamre. Revelations, you see that the Father is seated at, uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and out from Him flows the river of life, which brings healing to the nations, three in one. They are not separated, but they are different persons. Otherwise, the Bible is confusing and illiterate to us. But if you read it simply and you understand it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one God. Wonderful. Let's give it up for everybody. We will now move into the uh, a new audience. You did a good job. Give the audience a hand clap. Come on. We will now move to a, a time of 50 minutes of Q&A. Najee, would you please grab the microphone uh, there? And, and now, did I say it wrong? Yes, this is Sam Shimon from Answering Islam. He is with me today as well. And you've met Patrick and Najee. And now we'll go into the Q&A. And that means you can ask a question from where you are. We will repeat the question on the microphone yes, so yes, that yes. the uh, recording can pick it up. The person you ask the question to will have two to four minutes to respond, and then the other person uh, will have one to two minutes to, to rebut and to give their opinion. So whoever you address your first question to will have two to four minutes, and then the other party will have one to four. And so uh, we should probably set up a way. Make it fair. Them. 
because then we're going to reflect this. Obviously, is going to be there are going to be more questions directed to them. So if you guys want to ask us questions to clarify, because I don't want them just to get bombarded with this issue. So I don't think that. I mean, we it's not bombarded. They're okay. Us. Okay, so they're fine. Are you okay with it? He's okay. I can't answer. That's okay. No, I, so I, Sam, thank you. Answer your question to whoever you want clear. Okay, it's fair. Wrong. It's fair. Uh, at this point, we're just probably going to have to do the hand raising, and then I'll I'll try to be the moderator as much as I can, even though you know that I'm on the side. But, uh, ma'am, you had your hand raised. Who's it directed to? Okay. Give me a moment to turn there, please. Go ahead. I just need a moment to turn there. Go ahead. I don't know anything about women's bodies and estrogen, okay? I'm not doubting you. I'm just going to let you know I'm not a scientist, and that's just not my field of study. But I know that Sam had really brought up a good point, and I want him just to take a few moments to explain the two persons in one. Uh, let me just understand what your question was. Could you say it one more time? I didn't understand because you said male and the female makes a female because she has this mount. And could you repeat it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Humankind. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that's the meaning of the text. Yeah. Uh, the female has hormones, but not as much as the male does. And the male has estrogen, but not as high as the female. What does that mean? Well, that means that uh, we're similar in some sense, but you're ignoring the profound differences. Uh, don't look at me being overweight, but I don't have breasts, right? Um, I don't have certain female body parts. I can't get pregnant. I can't conceive and give birth to a child. So you're looking at similarities, but ignoring the profound differences. Our point in using that analogy was to take their same argument and use it against them. They're saying, see, God created man in his image. And then he looked at one person and said, look, look at this guy here. He's one person, right? He's not three persons. And that's how God is. He's one person manifesting in three ways. However, the very passage they used, if you read in context, it actually refutes them. Because the man that God created in his image, Adam, is not one person. He's a community of persons. He's more than one person. So we're using their analogy against them. Since man can be more than one person and still be one mankind, why can't God be more than one person and still be one God when he's infinitely more complex than mankind? That's the point we were making with that analogy. Furthermore, if we're going to look at mankind as a reflection of God's unity, the brother here went to John 17, verse 11, as well as verses 21-22, which he did not have time to cite. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says that these disciples and all who will believe through their preaching... May they be one as we are one. In what sense are the disciples one? Are they all one person manifesting in different ways? 
Or is it more than one person united in some sense? Well, if the unity of the disciples doesn't rule out them being more than one person, then why are you telling me that God being one means he can't be more than one person? So the analogies they use actually refutes your position and proves our position on the basis of the Bible. That's the reason why we use that. So I hope that clarified it. And we'll give a chance to respond. Turn down our mic. It seems like we're quite loud. Thank you. you have to go through the law and the testimony because they just gave an entire rendition of I don't understand and I no offense no offense but you gave me a list of no explanation now how does man reflect his creator you have androgen and estrogen typifying that the creator is both male and female in principle to bring forth a creation he does not need a goddess to bring forth a creation now, what I am more concerned with is you still say he's three persons, but yet through the whole discourse, he's one. I need to know where in the scriptures can you verify the actual words that he is three persons. I'm beginning to think that this is more of an opinionated thing than an actual scriptural base. I need a scriptural base. Wait, hold on. Let me also say this in, in, in rebuttal. And this is, this is real quick. Um, I think what is being said the disconnect with what we're saying we're not saying oh it's we're saying one god three different manifestations just like you when you die you have a soul you have an existence outside this body same thing with christ when he died they saw him paul saw him in a vision he brought up daniel the, the i think it's the ninth chapter daniel when it when he's presented you have to understand these people are looking at visions they're looking that what they're seeing is not to be taken literally. You can understand that through revelation. Also with Nebuchadnezzar's dream, they're looking at a vision. And the vision is pointing out spiritual principles. Unless, and I'm going to say this, we had this read in the beginning. And I think it would do everybody well here to ask the Father to show you. Because unless... The Holy Spirit is in you. You're not going to understand. That's rare from, and you can go through the Greek and the Hebrew. He talked to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus still didn't understand. He told Peter and them, except you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you'll have no life in you. They didn't understand, and they were all talking the same language. So what I'm saying is, when you look at John 17, like, 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 like the brothers brought up, John 17, make them one as we're one, he's talking about, in the spirit him and his father are one spirit different manifestations they coexist eternally that's the one thing i can agree with they do but they're three different manifestations that's all we're saying i just want to make sure do you guys want to um, keep the format where they're going to ask questions or do you want us to answer your question because you directed a question i'm just saying i'm just saying no, you know let me let me read because they can ask it back to us. I would prefer to just remove the question. It's okay. Okay. So who would like to ask the next question from uh, probably from this side or anybody? It doesn't matter. Okay. Who would, just ask it. Okay. Yes. And direct it towards you. Okay. We're just going to have questions. We're just going to have them answered here. The word, the word triunity is not found in the Bible. That's not our basis for the word Trinity. Okay. Um, 
before you do, let me come back. I think consistency is going to be important if we're going to be honest. Can you show me where the Bible says that God is one person in those exact words? Oh, but I can't ask you a question. Let me make a statement. There is nowhere in the Bible where you'll see where it says God is one person, those exact words. Yet you still erroneously believe that. Secondly, nowhere will you find where it says that God is three manifestations. Three manifestations. Those exact words do not appear in the Bible. You're being inconsistent. Because if you're going to use that argument against me, use it against your position. Find another religion because you're in the wrong one. Be consistent with your argumentation. That's all I'm saying. I just want to add to that, and I know it's going to be hard for the questioners to just ask a question, but you're going to have to trust your speakers to uh, answer for you. Matthew chapter 28 was read to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of these charts, I don't think you brought it with you, which I saw on the Internet, it says Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua. That's right. Which is the name. See, that would make no sense. You acknowledge that there's actually three names. That would give me the impression that there's three persons. Because Matthew 28 would make no sense when you say one name. So it's either one name for all three of them at all times, or it's one name that brings together the three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you would really have to answer that question. Why can you say that each one has a separate name, but then Matthew chapter 28 says that there's only one name. Right. So that's our answer. Okay, now let me let me rebut let me give the rebuttal to this. This is why the names are so important. Yahshua means Yahweh is salvation. So it is one name. It's just a it Yahweh it, Yahshua is just a contraction of Yahweh is salvation. So that answers that question there. Second, um when you look at John they went to John one and one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and, and it, uh, I don't want to mess up the quote. The same in the beginning was with God. When you drop down, this is where they didn't go, to the 14th verse. And the word was, became flesh. Now, let me ask you, let me, let me, I want you, the audience, who walked around and the word, somebody get that scripture for me. John, what? Okay, now, so if the word became flesh, not the word sent flesh, the word became flesh. Okay? My question is, like, that's why we have this, this, this pattern here. The father did send the son. Remember, the father in his pure spirit state, you can't understand. This is still him. You don't need, you, you can go to Lake Michigan and get a cup of water out of Lake Michigan. Is it still water from Lake Michigan? That's a question. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's in here. Is anybody in here dyslexic or I'm not, and I'm not trying to be funny because if I need to clarify it more, everything that's in this is in this. That's what we're saying. We, for, for them to say modalism, we don't we don't classify it as that. And they can't. He said the brother said when he was up there, who will you compare me or make me like? Right there, that blows out his argument. How are you going to have three people? And he said, who are you going to compare me to? Is that correct? That's not inconsistent. That's that. No, hold on. Hold on. Because everything that the, everything that the brother said. Oh, okay. All right. I want to I keep time. All right. Go ahead. All right. Next question. Uh, the woman in the black jacket. 
don't think Puerto Rico has a tax yeah, before we because we'll be bombarded with the rest. I, I, I honestly could. No, has, no, no, no. He has. Wait, what's your question? That's right. That's a vision. That's Jesus being at the right hand. That's a vision. That's hand is synonymous with understanding what you have to do. You can't stop. Let me clarify this. You got to go back to this pattern. Let me clarify something. They said that nobody referred to the Greek. I'm going to tell you this. The New Testament was not written in Greek. I can prove that by the scriptures. Jeremiah 31, 31. And then we're going to go, we, uh, I'll go back to this pattern and answer your question. Read. Uh-huh. 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 Read fast. I got to go. So if the new covenant is not going to be according to the old covenant and the old covenant was written down, then the new one's not going to be written. Read. Now, that's the answer. Isaiah 54 and 5, for thy maker is thy husband. That goes back to what he was saying about you and your wife being one. He's not talking about you physically. He's talking about your marriage to him. He said, for I was a husband unto them. Now, that would make him the man, correct? Because we know he's not homosexual. So if that if he's the husband man and Christ said it all the time when he came around, if he's the husband man showing that this is one, hold on, then what would that make Israel? His bride. The husband man manifested in the flesh and walked around his bride. That's who he died for. Just like Adam, you have a type with Adam. Adam willingly died for Eve when she ate of that fruit. That's what we're saying. Not that we're comparing anybody's authority with his. No, they're right with that. You can't compare anybody's authority with his. There's none like him. But what we're saying is he created things for you to look at to tell something about him, not for you to worship it or to say, it, it, this is my God. You can't compare anybody's authority with him, but uh, keep reading that. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Keep reading that. Now, this is the new covenant. Read. After what days? Then you've got to ask yourself a question. What days? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Read. I'm going to put it in their inward parts. That lets you know it's not written in Greek. He's going to put it in you. That's why he breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost was about. What you're reading is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the biography. All they're writing down is what he did when he was walking around in the flesh. Acts of the Apostles is the history. The scriptures, the, the, the uh, uh, letters of the epistles are instructions and corrections and righteousness. And Revelations is a prophetic book. What you have to keep in mind also is you have a devil. You can't count him out the picture. And he's not going anywhere. He's going to be here with you until Christ comes back. So he's going to try to twist and turn those scriptures to get you to see his way. 
So for when people come and say, and I understand a little about the Greek and the Hebrew. When people come to me and say, well, see, in the Hebrew it means this. Well, that don't mean nothing to me because he spoke to them in Hebrew and they still didn't understand, which is all through the Bible. So, you know, with that, uh, any more questions? Or did you have one the, yeah, the respond. Uh, I'm going to do the first part. Sam's going to do the next. I, I'm hearing a lot of scriptures but not answering what we're saying. So I'll go back to, to some of the, the very first ones. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Pros. That, that's what he just described in Stephen. He's seen it. It doesn't even say the word vision. He sees the Father and the Son. That is the picture right there. Pros. With. Uh, I don't know why you just can't read the Bible. You say that you love the Scriptures. Please, my friends, don't take my word for it. Listen to what it says. He was with him. He gets sent from him. He I comes. And then in the Scripture that. that he keeps telling me that, uh, that I'm not reading, that in John 1.14, he became flesh. My question is, who became flesh? Did the Father become flesh? It's impossible. The Father, no one has seen the Father. That's why John 18 is so important. If they're only one person, then that means, students, when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father in all of his glory, in everything. But the only way that Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, was in the personhood of the Son, because that's what it says. No one has seen God except God the one and only has made him known. Read the context. Did the Father take on flesh? That's never taught in the Scripture. Did the Spirit take on flesh? How can Jesus be looking at his disciples saying, I'm breathing in you the Holy Spirit, and here he is in flesh, and then be the same exact person? They have to be three persons. Um, He says that he agreed with John 1.1. Let me go there. Hold on. No, no, just leave it here. I got it. I got it, brother. Uh, actually, you don't, because what the point of the pastor here is that when you have pros, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, pros, his point is that when pros is used between a subject and an object, the word is the subject, the object is God. Pros, when it's used between a subject and object, implies two distinct entities in personal, intimate fellowship and communion with one another. I agree with that. So you're saying in eternity, and this is not time to interact and unless you want me to do that with you when you're speaking, I can cut you off and say I agree or disagree. So you're pretty much saying that in eternity that the Word existed as a person distinct from God and was having fellowship with God and communicating with God, so then why are you still following your distortion of truth? Now, hold on. You then said that somehow it's in a vision... And you're not supposed to take it literally. Jesus, the master, the teacher, says you're wrong. Because in Daniel 7, Daniel 7, 13, 14, says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. So here, this is a vision. Daniel sees a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. But in a vision, you shouldn't take it literally. Tell that to Jesus in Mark 13, 26 to 27, when he says, At that time, men will see the son of man coming in clouds. Wait, Jesus, didn't you know that it's a vision and Daniel wasn't speaking literally? Come on. Oh, wait. This was truth only revealed to your prophet. Jesus had to wait for him to show up. Okay, next question, please. Yeah, it goes to the next one. We actually asked to have a cross-examinations where we'd go back and forth. Uh, Patrick, well, he, he, he changed that. And no, no, no. Well, next, next, we can go to the next question. Okay, no, no problem. Uh, next question for anybody. Uh, yes, Sister in the Black. Yes. 
Okay. Okay, the question is, and we forgot to do it over the mic. We need to do it for the videotape. People are just going to be wondering what we're talking about. The question is, if I said the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were three separate persons, where can I show you that in the Bible? Is that the question? Can you let her say it for herself? Because I'll be here all day trying to say it. I thought I said that exact same thing. Um, can you just can you say it your way, sister, and then I'll answer it? We can't hear. Can you just stand up? Uh, just hand it to her, please. I'm sorry. It's just I don't understand the difference between the two things. I said, where did you You say that they're all three different persons. So where in the Bible did you that it doesn't say exactly what you said? There are three persons. There are three people. You want to know the exact words that say. No, when you stood up here and you said that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost are three different people. Yes. So where do you find it in the Bible that says exactly what you said? Okay. That? I think I understand the question now. Okay. The Bible does not say the phrase, God the Father and the Son the Holy Spirit are three separate persons. Just like it doesn't say God the Father the Son the Holy Spirit are three manifestations. Actually, it does. Are, then show it on your rebuttal then. First John. You're interrupting me. You're interrupting. You're interrupting. But let me finish. The Bible doesn't say either one. What we need to do as students of the Bible is go to it from Genesis to Revelations and see what it teaches. That's what I showed you. I showed you that the Father is a person in the sense as we describe a person, the Father talks, the Father thinks, the Father is a being. We just ascribe personhood to that. That's the only way I could describe it. I, don't, I speak English language. I don't know any other way to call that. The Son has a personality, talks. That's a person. The Holy Spirit talks, has a personality, that's a person. And so the, the problem that the IDMR and what you're coming to with is that you're not answering what we're saying to you, which proves the point. So now don't look for the exact phrase like the Muslims say, show me where it said, Jesus said, quote, I am God. That's not the point. Jesus didn't have to walk, walk around and say, I am God. He demonstrates it by his behavior and the things that he does. Well, First John 1 John 1.1, speaking of the Holy Spirit, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Once again, that means that God and the Word are two separate persons there because they cannot be with each other in one person. Can you be with yourself and face yourself? No. And that's why I went down to John 1.18. We'll, we'll stick on this passage until they give a, 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 an answer. 118 differentiates where it's at. Listen to it again. No one has seen God at any time. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's bosom, has made him known. So how many persons are there? There's the Father, and that's the one you haven't seen. But which one have you seen? God, the Son, who is in the Father's bosom. Now, go to the baptism. When Jesus is in the water, who is speaking? His Father. When the dove comes down, who comes down? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus says, the Father is greater than me, is he playing a mind game with you for you to think that he's really greater than himself when he's in a different form? Or is he saying that the personhood of the Father is greater than him because the Father is the head of the God? Is that the impression? That's what we're saying. When he says, I will send another, Elion in the Greek, a counselor, is he saying, I'm coming myself? He says, I'm sending you another. Another is another like me. If I said, I'm going to send another preacher like me, I'm going to send Sam like me. That shows you personhood. So those are your, your examples. IDMR?
This is why you need the pattern, because your explanation does not even come close to your points. Now, I'm not going to be on here for too long, but excuse me. Your own Messiah said, and beginning at Moses and all the and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, that's what he said. So if we follow what the Messiah said, we have to go back to Moses to begin to understand who he is and how he operates. You have a pattern here, which is threefold, and that is the structure. And you have the function with the high priest and the two low priests. The high priest and the two low priests are functioning in this tabernacle, typifying how the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit is going to function in your tabernacle. First, First Corinthians 6.19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, do you have three persons in it? Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, would you not say that they were... Now, he brought this argument, so I have to bring this argument. Were they not one with their creator? Shall we review John, the 17th chapter, where it says... No, let's even review John, the 14th chapter, where he says, I and my Father are one. So, are we saying we're talking schizophrenia here, or what? This is, this is my point. If you don't understand this tabernacle pattern that was given back to Moses and that was shown to John and to the apostles, even unto this point. See, we didn't, read the, we didn't write this Bible. We didn't sit there and say it in the beginning. No. It is saying by principle, use this tabernacle pattern to see how it reflects the creator so you may begin to understand the creator, why he says he is one or he is a unity. Because then you being because then you can take different things in nature. Yes, sir. I'm done. Okay. Sorry. Too much okay. All right. Um, next question. Uh, we'll go since you asked a, a one question already. We'll go to someone who hasn't. Uh, in the back, Ellie. Uh, who's it directed towards? Okay. Exactly. That's 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 a very that's the he said the vision, the vision. What is it? What is it? And basically, we'll repeat it again. The, what does the vision signify towards salvation? Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says. Without a prophetic vision, or without a vision, in King James uh, version of the Bible, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. So now, when Christ says in Revelation, behold, he cometh with the clouds. If you don't understand this pattern and how this high priest was operating because Hebrews 3 and 1 says that he is the high priest of high priests. If you don't understand this pattern, you won't know what that means. For remember, you got to remember, God is a spirit. So when he's speaking, he's not speaking. Isaiah said it best. He said, I am from above, you are from beneath. Your ways are not my ways. So we can't think on his level. So in order to understand what he's saying, he has to make 
Isaiah 28, 28, 9, and 10. He has to make you understand. The problem is we are reading one Bible, Metro Praise, IDMR, Baptists, Catholics, one Bible, and you got 50 million different doctrines from different interpretations. But it said in Luke 24, he said, look, then he opened the understanding that they might understand the script. Because Israel was like that. Scribes, Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, all different kind of schools of thought at that time. But until he opened their understanding, they didn't understand what they were reading. They quoted scripture back and forth. Don't mean they understand it. And you can put it back in the original language. This is what I'm saying. You can put it back in the original language when he told them, except you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you'll have no life in you. They said, that's a hard saying. Who can hear that? They understood the question because they were speaking his language. Then he told them his own disciples gripe. And he said, well, y'all go also. He, he said, Peter spoke up, said, no, there's nowhere to go seeing as you had the words of eternal life. Then he expounded on what he meant by that. He said, what? What did he say, John 6:63? The flesh profited nothing. The words I speak are spirit and they are life. Not physically, like they're saying. The words I'm speaking are spiritual. He spoke in parables. He said that in Matthew, the 15th chapter. Did he or did he not say that? He said, they asked him, why are you speaking in parables? He said, so that seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they don't hear. Isaiah 28, real quick, because that's going to match up with that. He has to make you understand doctrine. He gives you a vision, but the vision ain't no good because Daniel had a vision and said, I didn't understand what it meant. So he has to give you the revelation. That's what John had. So, I mean, we're going to go back and forth tonight, but until he opens an understanding on one side or the other, we're going to be divided. Not only us, everybody, until he comes back and proves it. Who's right and who's wrong? And I'm going to tell you this. You don't have long before he does it. And I think Joe knows what I'm talking about. So with that, whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Read. Mm -hmm. So you have to line up the precept, precept upon precept. You cannot start, I'm going to read the Bible and be a New Testament Christian and start in Matthew. Impossible. Because they were under the law. If you start in Matthew, you're not going to understand nothing you're reading. You're just not. If you don't have this pattern, you're not going to be able to tie none of that stuff together. I don't care how much Greek and Hebrew you know. They couldn't do it and they spoke the language. That was their original language. And they didn't understand. How do I know they didn't understand? I got you. How did I, real quick, how did I know they didn't understand? Look what they did to them. Um, so, uh, you guys, go ahead and rebut. I'm glad that you brought that up about the vision uh, real quick. See, what they're telling you is without this and all of this, you can't understand the Bible. That's not what I, that's not. You keep interrupting me, sir. Can you wait till it's your sorry, time to but speak? I, I just don't want you guys to, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to understand the Bible. Can you start my time over again? Yeah, please. Let's just do unto others as we want but, done yeah, to ourselves. Right, we, right. We're not going to interrupt you. 
Right. That's yeah. No, no, no. That's it, it's cool. You can start okay. the time over. Go ahead. Okay. What they are saying is that without this, you can't understand the Bible. That this is God's vision and revelation to you. Of course, they claim it's from the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that if this comes and changes the truth, then you know it's a false prophecy. And so what they cannot do is show you in the Scripture, after we've expounded on the Scripture, what their point is. They are running from John 1, scared right now. They will not come back and deal with pros. They will not come back and deal with 118, who is the only begotten God coming from the bosom of the Father that we've seen. They can't deal with it because in their mind it will disprove them and it will disprove this vision. But that's not the way we should look at it, my friends. And I say this in love. If the Bible disproves your vision, to hell with it and keep the Word of God. I'm not here for religion. I'm not here to convince you of religion. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. If this was what we were supposed to know, then where was it until the time of the false prophet Kenley in 1920s in the 40s? Uh, tell me where it was in the 1500s. When they were getting their Bible out of the Catholic hands, we were giving it to them through the Reformer's blood. Their vision had nothing to do with it back then. Where is it in the dictionary of the church fathers? wasn't there. You can't find any, uh, you can't even find Paul preaching on the, the pattern and mentioning all these things and looking at it this way. Only the book of Hebrews even mentions the things in the Torah and it points you back towards Jesus. And we acknowledge that all of the vessels of the tabernacle and the sacrifices point towards Jesus. But that doesn't prove your point or give you the, uh, the metaphysical uh, permission to make up things in the Bible and, and disprove everything that we've believed as Christian for 2,000 years. Go back to the Scriptures, my friends. We've asked them to tell us, how does the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all have the same name? He said, Yahshua has the name of... That's not the same. He says, at the name of Jesus. That is a different name than Yahweh. At the name of Jesus. He can't explain. The Holy Spirit doesn't have the name of Yahshua. It was Numa in the Greek. Where does he get uh, uh, Yahweh from there? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Uh, another question, please. Another question. Uh, we, we, we have heard one from you, sir. Can we go to the gentleman in the black? Who is it directed towards? It to me? Okay. Is that, is that the question? Yeah, that's the question. You said that the vision is not true. Okay, so to repeat the question, in 2 Timothy uh, 4.2, the, the questionnaire is claiming that, uh, or asking, I'm sorry, you're asking, are the parchments, the scrolls in the book, the vision? Yeah, because you said that Paul didn't use these type of things to... Uh, okay, okay. So what he's asking is... Did Paul use scrolls and parchments to teach? So what you would have to do, my friend, and, and through your uh, speakers here, is to prove that this is what Paul was carrying with him. 
Because scrolls and parchments simply mean to me the teachings that he already had published and the, the letters that were being circulated. So whenever you come up with a mystery teaching, and the Catholics like to do this, they like to say, when Paul mentions traditions, he's talking about our traditions. No, he's just saying the same traditions he's already taught them. It's the job of the Catholic to show that those traditions he's mentioning are their traditions of child baptism and purgatory, etc. So if you want to say, did Paul have scrolls and parchments? Exactly, I believe he did. What do I believe were on those scrolls and parchments? I believe the Word of God is very similar to what we have. Maybe the letter to Laodosia, similar teachings. It's your job to prove to me that he was carrying charts like this. And we have done archaeological studies all throughout the Holy Land. And all we find, and this will help you understand, is the New Testament manuscripts written in Greek and the Hebraic manuscripts in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic and all of the things that we're teaching you today. Once again, this is not to, to belittle you, but I, I request you get it. A dictionary on early Christian beliefs. We see this all throughout the church history. Yeah, I don't know how much time I have, but let me address some of the points they raised. Uh, they were talking uh, earlier. You mentioned Yahweh's bride as Israel. And also you mentioned the temple, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What amazes me is that how... You do not see your analogies actually destroy your case and prove our position. For example, uh, Israel is the bride of Yahweh, but Israel is multi-personal. There's more than one person that makes up the bride of Yahweh. However, you want us to believe that Yahweh, who's infinitely more complex than his creation, is only one person. But the analogy of Yahweh's bride destroys your entire case because the bride of Yahweh is not a singular person. It's a community of persons that make up one bride, just like God is a community of persons, three to be exact, that make up one God. Uh, even the analogy with the temple with believers, again, I don't know, and again, I'd have to agree with you, it does take the grace of the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus for you to see this, because every single passage and analogy you brought up destroys their case and proves the Trinitarian position. Just like the temple of believers in the, in the New Testament, we, the church, are the temple is more than one person. The body of Christ is more than one person, but it's still one body, one temple. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Read from verse 12 down all the way to 27. The one body of Christ, his bride, is made up of more than one member, more than one person. So that again proves that the one God is more than one person by your own analogy. Just like the bride, the body, the temple consists of more than one person, then the one God consists of more than one person. And I can't believe that you quoted John 10.30 thinking that this somehow, somehow proves your case. Actually, it proves our position. Because if you go back to the original languages, and it's not an issue of the languages, because I'm going to give you the language and you still won't receive it because you need the true Holy Spirit to illuminate you and enable you to accept it. John 10.30, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, go back. It's hen esmein. Esmen is plural. We are one. More than one person in a unity. And again, if you co contrast it to John 17, 11, Jesus says that the disciples who are more than one shall be one in the same way we are. Well, again, let's, let's think about that. There's more than one disciple, more than one believer, but Jesus' prayer is that their unity will be a reflection of God's unity. But in your view, God is one person. Therefore, that means all of us will lose our individual personality, and become a singular personal consciousness. That's what you want us to believe. So the very examples destroys your case and proves the Trinitarian position. Glory to the triune God who exists.
Thank you very much. It's a I, I, I can hear you and I appreciate the the volume that is coming from your mic, so you know. I, I understand, but I can also be passionate but also logical. Number one. Um here here's here's the problem that I, I am I am getting from this. First of all, we're saying he's spirit. Now you continuously harp on person. So that that's that's your position. Okay. But the scripture says he's spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So until you can come up with person out of that scripture, I cannot accept your argument. Number two, you keep saying we're dis- we're what we're saying is destroying our argument. Can you tell me by the scriptures how you base evidence and proof according to what the Messiah said? I, I just wanted to know. That is a question I am posing to you, actually. Please. You keep saying God is spirit, then for the love of God, why do you keep link- likening him to a physical man? You're contradicting yourself. So if it's about logic, you're not using logic. You're being irrational. Uh, you can laugh and mock all you want, but that again exposes. No, laughter is not mocking. It's okay. But by the grace of God, I won't stoop to that level. Notice he just said, and I want the students here, and especially you guys here to listen. He goes, God is spirit, but for the past hour, he keeps likening God to a physical man. You, a man, have body, soul, and spirit, a reflection of Elohim. Did he not say that? So why in the world are you likening God who is spirit to a physical man? You're contradicting yourself left and right. How do I deduce evidence? I go throughout the entire scriptures to see what the scriptures teach in context as a whole, I don't take one verse out of context, make it agree with my presupposition or a theology imposed on the scriptures. I read the totality of scriptures, see what Jesus said about his distinction from the Father. For example, in John 8, 17, 18, Jesus refers to his witness and the Father's witness as two separate witnesses. That's in John 8, 17 to 18. Read it. It says that in your law, at the testimony of two men, a case will be settled. I am one who testifies, and my father is another. He didn't use person, he used men. So therefore, where am I getting the term person? I'm getting it from the use of Jesus. At that time, he used the term men. Today, we would say person, because obviously, you would agree with me, the father is not a physical man with body parts. But Jesus says, I and my father qualify as two men, or two persons who testify, again, destroying your heresy, Because if Jesus is a manifestation of the Father, he is not a separate witness. He's a single witness, which means that Jesus was deceiving them. Praise God, he's no deceiver. This is why we reject your heresy. And and to answer the question, we'll give you fair time. Whatever we have, give back to them. You wanted to know how the Bible says, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth because God is a spirit. Um, Looking at, you want to witness out of the the prophets, the law, and and the New Testament. Here you go. Isaiah 63.10 says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. How do you grieve a spirit unless a spirit is a person? It has to be a personality. How do you grieve uh, air? I don't grieve oxygen. This is not being grieved right now. The Holy Spirit has attributes as a person. He is given the personal pronoun, he, in both languages. Then in Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So if you want to know how I say a spirit is a he and is a person, by the scripture that says he 
has the personal pronoun he mm. and that he gets grieved. This is the fact of a personality. We don't believe in Zen Buddhism that God is a force like Obi-Wan Kenobi being <laughs> one with it. We know God has a personality and God the Father has one, God the Son has one, and God the Holy Spirit. Please wait, give them wait, the same let me, time. Let me, let me say this. Reset this time because I want to address something that Sam said. And he said we're mocking him. And believe me, we're not. We're not. I feel bad for him. I really do. Because soon he's going to find out. Everybody's going to find out who's right and who's wrong. Now, going back to what he said is he said, and, 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 and if I get this wrong, please correct me. Please correct me. But you said... Coming from the different persons addressing what Patrick said, he said at, at, at the mouth of two or three men, right? He said two two men, at, or, or in some of the scriptures it said at the mouth of two or three witnesses. The two things that testified to him was the law and the prophets. Now he said that, Luke twenty four forty four. That's what the scriptures say. So when they say, okay, he and he told them, he said, I bear witness of myself, but my witness is not my own. It's from my father. Now, I don't doubt what they are saying as far as, oh, the father sent the son. We agree with that. He did. Just, and it's not too different because I think, I think Christ said, when you look at this, he said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of my father. You One spirit, one consciousness, three different manifestations. Just like you have physical things to point to that. See, you can't tell me God created a physical creation and don't have nothing in it to prove uh, to, to 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 show forth who he is. That's just plain stupid. So when you look at how this tabernacle was set up and then you look at the unity of the spirit God was manifested in the flesh. They ain't explained that. They still haven't said nothing about that, but it's there. Now we got to say say now. Did did Paul say it or didn't he say it? Don't make no difference who you are. If you read in the scripture, you say, yeah, he did say it. So it's all coming from, like he said, interpretation. This is what it means to them. That's their belief. And that's okay. It's okay to believe what you want to believe. But see, when you get to, when it comes down to him, and let me say something that Joe said that's absolutely incorrect. We're not saying that these charts are the end all. These are just learning aids. We're not saying, oh, without Dr. Kinley's vision, Dr. Kinley, Dr. Kinley to, uh, uh, is, first of all, said he saw the same thing Moses and John saw. But they haven't read that, so all they have to go off of is what they read on the Internet. And you can't believe everything you read. So we're saying the Holy Spirit in you is the only hope of glory. Christ in you that you guys call him. Jesus don't sound, you, we know there's no J in the Hebrew or Greek language. So Jesus is wrong, and then they say, well, the name doesn't matter. Well, the name is his character and authority. That's an onoma. Is that right, Sam? Greek, onoma, character and authority. And the Hebrew is Shem, which means character and authority. They're going to have one name, one character, one authority. That's what we're saying. You know Jesus don't sound nothing like God. That blows out their argument. I told him, I said, Yahshua, he said, John 5, 43, I will, I will come send the Father in my name. Right. I will come in my Father's name. And you receive me not. Let another come in his own name. Jesus. In him you will receive. So, I, my, you know, I love these brothers. 
Okay. Uh, to keep with the time, let's give a hand clap for both. I'm sorry. I'll make it very brief. I'm not going to take too much, but it's very simple. You keep saying, follow the scriptures, be in the scriptures. So we're going to say this to you. The Messiah said, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things that were concerning himself. The 44th verse says, you know, I, uh, can you give me Luke, for, uh, Luke 24, 44 real quick? And then, um, then I'm going to point back to here. Luke 24:44. Read. Now this is the Messiah speaking. He says, "These are the words which I spake unto you." Read. That all things must be fulfilled. Mhm. Mhm. So if you want to know who God is or what God is, go back to Moses just like the Messiah instructed. Back in Moses, there was this tabernacle pattern. If you're going to understand who the Holy Spirit is, go back to Moses. Examine it for yourself and see if the, if the Messiah or Jesus who you believe in is teaching something different than that that was back in the law and the testimony. All I ask, make an investigation on the pattern and see for yourself if God is a trinity or a unity. And the only thing I can say is talk to the Father and he'll answer your question. Thank you. If you'd like to give them a hand clap, you can. Go ahead. I saw some of you. Okay. want to thank all of you for coming out. Our intention wasn't to insult or to mock or ridicule. Our intention was to invite you into our house and treat you as guests. Hopefully you have been uh, feeling like guests tonight. Of course, we disagree on a lot of things, and we do believe that eternal salvation is at stake. We believe that unless you repent and become born again and serve the triune God, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So my testimony is that I came to the Lord Jesus Christ at November 5, 1995, repented of my sins, and Jesus Christ saved my life, and I have been a worshiper of the triune God ever since. And I want to encourage all of you to do that, because we have shown you that uh, those who are from the IDMR, as much as we love and respect you, we know you're sincere, but this is sincerely wrong and will lead you astray. And as Sam and I debated some Muslims on the Trinity who actually attacked this doctrine too, this is the number one attack doctrine by all counter-Christian groups and world religions alike. They enjoy attacking the Trinity, Judaism, Islam, all of these religions attack it. All the counter-cults attack it, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Scientology, IDMR. It's an attack upon the divine nature of God because there's nothing more important than knowing God. That's what is important. So I want to encourage you not to listen to a false prophet who only brought his prophecies and this vision to you in the 40s, but go back and study the scriptures and see what they say and see how the testimony has been clear ever since the beginning. And now some of the final points that I want to bring up. We brought up John 1, 1 and John 1, 18. It was never answered to you. We've brought the Trinity through the Bible front and back, and it hasn't been entered. The three foundations that 
that God is one, that there are three persons that claim divinity and that they are co-equal. It hasn't even been touched. They haven't even done anything to go against the argument of modalism. They can't explain how Jesus can be with them and then breathe the Holy Spirit into them and yet uh, not be two separate persons. They haven't explained how we have seen Jesus but no one has seen God. They can't explain that because modalism is erroneous. They can't explain to you how Abraham saw the Lord, but yet the Bible says no one has seen him. They can't explain to you how Moses talked to God face to face, and yet the Bible says no one has seen him. These examples go on with Gideon and the other people who saw that. They say they're all visions, and then we bring to them Daniel's vision and how Jesus quotes it and says the same thing Daniel saw about the Son of Man coming in glory. That's what I'm going to do. We then showed that when Stephen was being stoned, he saw heaven opened up, and this was a literal figure of what he was going to see, the Father and the Son. And they haven't answered this. Then they bring up arguments where the Bible says not to do it. They want to keep making comparisons. And yet all we've done is refuted the comparisons. They say we're one person because God is one person. Then we showed them in the beginning that Adam, one person, was two creations, male and female. They've said nothing to respond to that. Then we showed them in the marriage that male and female become one flesh. The same word one is Deuteronomy 6.4. Ahad. They haven't answered that. Jesus said the same thing in the Gospels. Then we see that Jesus calls upon another witness. And here it is so simply. It says, In your law it is written, the two testimonies is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father sent me bears witness about me. So could I stand before a court in the time of the Israelites and say, I didn't do it, and Joe says, I didn't do it. One person can't testify twice for themselves. He just said, I testify about myself. And the second person is the Father. And he testifies about me. We've been asked over and over again to show, where is persons? Where is persons? We are trying to teach you in humility. There are a lot of concepts that we come into the Bible and we try to use English words or English speakers or they did with Greek words to understand the Bible. If you don't want to say person, that's fine. Don't say manifestation either. Then don't say class. And don't call each other doctor because the Bible doesn't do any of that. What we are simply saying is that the Father claims divinity. The Son claims divinity. And the Spirit claims divinity. And they all have fully functioning, conscious, spiritual minds that talk and interact with people. And we're saying that those three deified personhoods can't even try to, you know, the early church father said the economy of God. They are one. Yes, the Trinity or God's nature may be a mystery to you, but the Bible says God conceals the matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. Search out your scriptures and enjoy the journey of knowing the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit that all bear the name Yahweh, Yohevai, Jehovah. Enjoy your relationship with God. Otherwise, your eternal soul will be lost. It will perish, and we don't want that to happen. We love you. Shalom in Yahshua, and thank you for coming. Amen. Now, at this point, Greet one another. We turn you loose against each other. Have fun. Have a wonderful evening. Blessings.